This week on Restore It All, we're talking about securing your cloud infrastructure. Remember, the best backup is one you never have to use. If you'd rather skip the theme song and our witty banter, just fast forward to about five minutes. You could restore it all. And rescue me from pain. You had my fallen You How Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup, and I have with me the guy who my wife is giving all credit for regarding my recent major DIY auto repair project, Prasanna Maliandi. <laughs> I'll take the credit, Curtis. How are you doing? I'm I swear sure. she's like, she, yeah, because, you know, it's, the, you know, the, she's like, well, did you talk to, like, literally, she's like, did you talk to your consultant? And I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I talked to my consultant. And, and, you know, and I will give you credit. It was something that you said that made me, uh, think right maybe think i was like oh i wonder if i connected the thing to the thing uh for those who i don't know if we mentioned that i was going to do this but i have a prius and i was having some problems and it's either head gasket whoa or egr valve these are two very different things but i decided to replace the egr valve and all the folks online are like if you're going to do the egr valve you might as well pull off the intake manifold and if you're pulling the intake manifold off, you might as well take the PCB valve out. And that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. It's a but lot. But it's of like bolts. one of those things where, like, while you're in there, right? I, I watch a yeah. lot of YouTube, yeah. automotive YouTube, right? That's what people yeah. always say. They're like, while you're in there, you might as while well replace these ten other things. The PCB valve, which is only ten dollars, is behind the intake manifold, so yeah. you you can't replace it without taking the intake manifold off. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so I took the intake manifold off. I cleaned it. I replaced the, the PC or the, the EGR valve. And uh, when I first put everything back together, it did not run. <laughs> Bad sign for a DIY mechanic. And uh, yeah, and we were like, we were talking about the PCR valve. And I did connect the hose to the PCR valve, but I did not connect the other end of the hose to the throttle body. Yep, which, which means that now you're getting unmetered the, air, which means that yeah, the engine's yeah, like, I don't know what's good. going on, so I'm shutting off. Yeah, yeah, I don't like I don't like what's going on, so I'm going off. So yeah. So but now it's running like a top. I have now fully oh. taken it out, you know, for a spin, like, you know, taking it up to whatever speed I could not get a ticket for. <laughs> and <laughs> drove but it. I, I drove it like many miles, but I kept it within like two miles of my house. <laughs> yeah. Just in case, <laughs> in case I had you to, know, like, drag it back. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's also interesting. Well, it's also interesting because like yesterday, I know when we were talking troubleshooting, right? You were like, oh, my God, I think I'm just going to take it to a shop. Let them deal with this and figure this out. because I I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then but, you know, and the whole thing of like, you know, when when you hear hooves think horses, not zebras. Right. The most obvious thing was something I didn't do. Right. The most like the most obvious thing was not that one of these parts just suddenly broke. It was. You probably didn't connect something to the something. And then that was it, right? Yeah. I failed to connect one of the like 10 hoses, hoses I had to disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was one that's like way down, like you can't really see it. And yeah. So now, hey, Prius is running and no, no engine light, no, no yeah. check engine light. But the but the check engine light that I was hopefully repairing 
was intermittent. So we don't yet know if I've actually fixed the problem that I started out to fix. But I have done my first major maintenance on this car at 193,000 miles. Not bad at all. That's pretty reliable. Yeah. Cost me a total of $210. Anyway. Our, this is definitely one of those things where I guess it's like, what kind of podcast that I come on to? But uh, we're going to bring we're going to bring him on here, and we're going to we're not going to talk about cars. We're going to talk about information security. After graduating in 2008 with an MBA concentrating in information security, our guest has been working in that field ever since. Most recently, he is the CEO and co-founder of Harangi Security, a SaaS cybersecurity company, which I first heard about when I was a guest on their Ask a CISO podcast. Welcome to our podcast, Paul Haji. Yeah, thank, thank you both for having me. Uh, excited to be here. And, and also thanks for being a guest on our pack, podcast. Glad, glad to be on here with you all as well. I got to know about that poster behind you. Not the one, not the, not the obvious one, but the <laughs> less obvious tiger in a uniform. I, I got to know what that's about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, obviously, Harangi is the, 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 Korean word for tiger, but um, uh, so that's like tiger everywhere for us. Um, but um, and that's like what our logo is, which is a bit weird. Gotcha. I can see that. Uh, and then um, yeah, that one is is just cool artwork that uh, I believe is important when setting up your uh, sort of Zoom or uh, video <laughs> uh, background that I found online. And there's there's my my dog who was sleeping, but is is now like, talking loud. His name's Conrad. He's causing trouble probably. <laughs> nice, nice. So it's just basically some cool artwork that you found that featured a tiger for some yeah. reason that's wearing uniform. Okay. Yeah. But that's the, pretty the awesome. Chinese writing is is uh, also a tiger, and this was given to uh, me by one of our team members who um, wrote it out in uh, like Chinese calligraphy. Oh, nice. So tiger, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> and you're located in Singapore right now, right? I am. I am. I am uh, uh, based here in uh, Singapore on the, the east coast of Singapore. Um, been out here for about 10 years and, and Harangi is headquartered there, but we, we have operations uh, all around the world. Do you have a car? I know it's super ridiculously expensive in Singapore to own vehicles. So do you do car maintenance, I guess is the question. Uh, I, I don't have a car. Um, uh, I, I was back in the U.S., uh, yeah. uh, Past couple of weeks, um, I rented a, a Tesla Y, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, <laughs> uh, but I had a Prius. I heard you guys talking about Priuses. I had a Prius um, uh, back when I was in, uh, you know, back when I was living in the U.S. Uh, so I had like, 2011 uh, Prius, uh, which I loved also. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> kindred spirits, yeah. I'd have to say. Yeah, no, no, um, <clears throat> no intake manifold on that Tesla you rented for sure. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I actually visited, if, if you can believe this, I visited Singapore for, I think, 18 hours. Like, I, I was literally, I, I had a, I, I was going to Australia and I stopped in Singapore for a, we did a conference, like, like literally I spoke for an hour. So I was literally in Singapore for like 18 hours. And of course, I did have both Singapore, the the, the crab, the uh, the spicy crab thing they have. Yeah. And a, and a, and of course, a Singapore sling. Nice. Um, got it. Got it. I had so I've, I've pretty much seen all of Singapore. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, a very big place, but there is a bit more to see. But I mean, those are the main highlights that that definitely. Oh, we did. I did the pool. I did okay. The, I did the, well. the giant. The yeah. the what? What do you? What's that we, called? Marina Bay Sands. Yeah. 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 The, and and that's by the way where I had the Singapore sling. Oh, okay. In the, 
Yeah. The, it, it's this but that's not the original the place, world. though. No, no it's yeah, not the original right. place. We <laughs> went to the original place, and it was like a, a two-hour wait to get a yeah. singapore sling. We're like, okay, it's not that important. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's, a, it's a, it is a beautiful place. Yeah, the drink is okay if you like sweeter stuff. Not my favorite thing, but that, that bar, the Raffles Hotel, um, uh, has – uh, many other great drinks also. It's a very cool place and, and very historic. Is, uh, yeah. That's why it's a two-hour wait. <laughs> so tell us uh, what was what was the problem that you were trying to solve when you started uh, Harangi Security? Yeah, so um, essentially like we, my background, um, you mentioned uh, college, but after that, I went to work for the government in the U.S. and then went to work for Palantir, uh, which is like a big data cybersecurity company. Um, do many things actually. Um, but I uh, kind of ran around the, the world with them and ended up in Singapore in, I guess, 2013 is 12 when I got here. Um, and yeah, like uh, while I was here, I was working on cybersecurity problems, both um, uh, for some government stuff, but also for uh, large banks um, and started seeing the kind of adoption to the cloud. It was already happening in the U.S., of course, um, but here it was kind of newer and um, people really investing in it. Um, and then uh, I switched companies and went to Grab, which is like the local Uber competitor, um, uh, which is now public in the U.S., uh, and we're running their security. And, and they, being a cloud-first company, had a lot of different challenges in terms of security uh, from what I was uh, 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 used to. Um, and when I was looking for help with that, essentially I couldn't find companies in Asia that really had dug deep into the cloud security problem. Of course, they were there in the U.S., um, but in Asia, I didn't, didn't see any. And given that uh, you know, I was basically tasked with solving that problem, so that as an opportunity, uh, to eventually start a business around solving it. And that's kind of like how Harangi was born with, with um, uh, the team that we have. Um, and like, oh. I, I guess just for to understand company size, like about 130 people, um, majority of those are in Singapore, but uh, we do have operations globally. So we have people in the US, South America. Um, uh, of course, uh, most of the people are in Asia though. Okay, awesome. Right. And you mentioned sort of that the problems that Asian uh, companies face are different could you go into a little bit more details about that like how like sort of what are some of those situations yeah sure i, I think problems are different because of a couple of reasons i think this exists in certain markets in the u.s but not necessarily in all um so basically in asia there's an extreme talent shortage uh, this is i think not only the case in traditional engineering roles but also cybersecurity in modern day sort of development is a subset of that um, uh, so basically if you don't understand engineering and cybersecurity, like in working in a cloud first company, very difficult to do your job. Um, uh, so I think, uh, that engineering problem has subsequently sort of moved out to the, the cybersecurity talent shortage, which I think exists globally. Um, but it looks a lot like the SME problem here in Asia, just because there aren't enough, right? So you have a lot of people that are in cybersecurity, um, uh, but, uh, they may not necessarily have the skill set to do some of the, the cloud side of things. Um, so we built our product around basically solving towards the lowest common denominator in terms of skill set. Um, so making it easy for them to not only identify the issues, which most cybersecurity tools do, um, uh, but also help them to solve it. Uh, so we spent a lot of time on giving like remediation steps, um, automated remediation, uh, and those types of things to help them with security and compliance. Now, the U.S. in the enterprise space, that problem, I would say, is, is less relevant um, because, of course, the larger enterprise and big tech companies can afford to pay uh, the rising uh, rates and uh, salaries in, in, in that space. But if you're an SME or a mid-market company in the U.S., and, and this is why we're there now, um, like I think that same problem exists. Um, it's just in Asia, like a lot bigger companies are still having that problem, right? So an enterprise in Asia will have 
that sort of talent shortage and not being able to get that talent. But in the U.S., uh, of course, the, the enterprise don't have that problem as much. I think it still exists. Um, but the SMEs really have that problem because um, they can't pay those like enterprise rates for the cybersecurity talent that they need to, to solve this modern security problem. Yeah, that, that's interesting. It, it, it we, we have a similar problem in backup. And by the way, I'll, I'll throw out our usual disclaimer. Prasanna and I work for different companies. He works for Zoom. I work for Druva. This is not a podcast of either company and the opinions that you hear are ours. Uh, please rate us at your favorite podcatcher. Just give us some stars. Give us some comments. We love it. Uh, are we still doing our are we still We're doing still our doing, challenge? Yeah. We're still doing our challenge. All right. So our challenge is what what was our number? What did we say? I think it had to did be to 15, was it? Okay, I have to jump in here. Uh, the agreement was nine new ratings for a total of twenty-five ratings by the end of September, and I will grow a beard for Christmas. I'll grow a beard and look like Santa Claus uh, for Christmas. Uh, this is some weird ass idea that the persona came up with. And um, uh, also, if you want to join the conversation, please reach out to me at WC Preston on Twitter or W Curtis Preston at Gmail. So I think you'd make a great yeah. Santa Claus. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, so the, this is a sim similar problem we have in backup. I think for a, a slightly different reason in that um, nobody wants to have anything to do with backup, right? They, they, they take that job because it's the first job they could get because nobody else wants it. And then they get out of it as quickly as they can. I do think there's, there's a real demand for the information security uh, person. And I think it's a, it has a little bit more panache than, uh, than a backup, uh, you know, role, but for the, the, but we have the same problem for different reasons in that there are many small companies. And again, many companies in other parts of the world that don't have someone who understands the unique challenges that backup provides, right? Information security, and, and, and it's similar in that if you get it wrong, you have a, you have a real problem, right? If you, if you get your information security wrong, if you get your backups wrong, and you have the wrong people come after your company, you are in a world of hurt. So it, it, it's interesting that it, I, I think we're both trying to solve similar problems um, in, in a very similar way, because Druva is also a SaaS company. So let me ask you a question. Um, what do you, and, and so two questions, because I just, they're both in my head. I'm going to get them out here real quick. One is, do you do this for multiple cloud providers? That's one question. And then the other is, what are like the top five things that you think an average person starting up using the cloud does wrong from a cybersecurity perspective. So let's start with the first one um, about where you're, because you are SaaS. So yep. what cloud products do you support? Yeah. So right now we support um, AWS, GCP, Azure, Ali, and Huawei. So being based in Asia, we of course support all the US ones, but we also support the, the, the Asian cloud providers. But that's quite the list. Before you move on from the clouds also, is one of these sort of more prevalent in Asia? I'm also learning about the Asia market, right? Because I know it's very different than the U.S. Do you find for the customers you're looking at that one is sort of considered more often than the others? 
Yeah, I, I think it depends on your company and like what you're doing. But I mean, AWS is, I think, globally the most common, um, uh, of course. Even even in Asia? Yep. Yep. Uh, they've yeah. been here since 2011. So uh, they've, they've been hitting the ground early. I think had some big successes. And I would say majority of the, the market uses them in some way. They may not use them solely, um, but uh, they're using them probably as their primary um, uh, generally. Um, and then if not, then they're probably using it in some way uh, as well. I think there's many reasons for that, but one of them is just like training, right? Like just people generally, when you hire people, they know how to use AWS uh, versus others a bit more uh, easily. Then there's like um, GCP is pretty common uh, as well. Um, they have a lot of data residency requirements in the different countries around here. And GCP did, did a good job of uh, setting those up. Those are always pretty common, especially in the more traditional enterprises. Um, you know, it's a lot easier, I think, to make that switch than, than switching to the others just because, you know, your traditional IT admins um, feel comfortable with Microsoft. Um, can't blame them either since I spent my early years messing around in Active Directory. Um, uh, and then, yeah, Huawei and Ali, like I think if you're a Chinese company moving into Southeast Asia, that's easy for them um, because they, they already know how to use it. Like a lot of the documentation is in Chinese and English. So if maybe your development team's in China um, and you're, you're maybe the front facing part of your company is in, in Southeast Asia or elsewhere, like makes a lot of sense that you want to be using a, a Chinese cloud. Um, and maybe so there, okay, cool. That is interesting though. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, the, I think the thing I'm most impressed about and is, is how many cloud platforms you support because, you know, the things that the thing that you're doing is important and then you're helping people remediate things and, you know, investigate things and remediate things on multiple platforms, uh, that's a, that's a, you know, it's a big ask that you're, you're trying to do there. Yeah. So, so we, we essentially, I mean, like Harangi, uh, we also have a services business. Um, so we have a lot of cybersecurity expertise in terms of like penetration testing and uh, incident response and um, sort of what we call strategic, which is more uh, uh, focused around compliance and helping companies mm -hmm. uh, make progress on their security journey. Um, but the advantage of that um, is that we have a big team that understands the security issues that our customers are facing. And subsequently, we have a team that's basically focused on understanding the security risks in the different clouds uh, and writing rules that, you know, we can run against the cloud infrastructure uh, that the customer is using um, or multiple cloud infrastructures that the customer is using, um, you know, provide that feedback back in the platform. Um, and we re release about 10 rules every week. So, um, you know, like it's constantly growing um, because obviously all these cloud service providers are also iterating, um, which I think is the beauty and also the challenge of cloud, which is like everyone moves really fast. Um, so you have to move fast as well, especially as, uh, you know, us being responsible for securing it. Uh, so we spend a lot of time uh, and we have a, a like an eight person team that basically just focuses on um, writing rules against the, the new updates that these cloud service providers are, are releasing. Uh, and then, you know, also providing the context for the customers so that if, you know, a new security issue pops up, they have the ability to remediate it. Um, and we provide support through the platform too, so they can just interact with our team uh, and ask questions if you know something uh, is confusing or they need help. So I think for us, that's a that's a key part of their um, uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, offering that we that we bring to them. When you're talking about the rules, I guess, like you mentioned, keeping up with all the changes, because as we all know, right, the public cloud companies move so quickly, right? And now you're trying to deal with all these multiple clouds. How do you sort of understand, like, two questions, right? How do you understand and prioritize a little, right? Um, sort of like 
what are the key concepts you want to go after that you're starting to see from your customers that are sort of big gaps? And then the second question I have is, have there been situations where you guys have sort of found something that the cloud teams weren't aware of necessarily that have sort of started becoming issues? Yeah. When, yeah. You, say, when, when you say the cloud teams persona, who do you mean? Oh, the public cloud. The CSP, yeah. The, meaning yeah, meaning the, team, the teams at the cloud vendors yeah. themselves. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so I guess uh, uh, two questions there, I guess on the, the first one um, in terms of like uh, uh, the process and prioritization. Um, so, I mean, the one good thing about being a SaaS company is we can kind of see what people are using um, and we can prioritize rules based on that. Right. So as part of our product, you know, we can essentially see what like resources and service types all these companies are using in the different clouds. And of course, the ones that are, have are using being used more is the ones that, you know, we prioritize in terms of how we're writing the security rules. Uh, as well as like changes that are being re released against those, right? So uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people use S3 buckets. Um, so if a new change comes out in S3 buckets, for sure that's getting uh, prioritized in terms of uh, our uh, rule writing, right? Um, because like pretty much everyone in some ways is using that. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's other technologies like that as well, like with you know uh, EC2s and AWS contacts, um, uh, uh, the different containers, and, and uh, you know it's really across clouds. But you know GCP is is doing a lot of like, great stuff with Kubernetes. Um, uh, and then like serverless functions too is a big thing because we're, we're completely serverless. So uh, leading into your second question, um, yeah, we, we have found some stuff. Um, mostly it's, uh, it hasn't really been security stuff per se, but you know, obviously uh, being backups, you understand that both security and sort of backup like concerns of things failing are also kind of related. Um, so we do help identify like those types of issues too. If something's being overutilized or um, uh, you know, underutilized as well from yeah. a billing perspective. We, you know, we, we can identify those. And, and, and a lot of customers, like, we, because we take a sort of hierarchy of all of what's in their cloud, um, just knowing what they're using or not using, I think, is really useful for them, especially if it's a big customer, right? Because they may have, like, 20,000 resources in their cloud infrastructure, and, you know, some of them haven't been used in years, right? So, like, you know, that, that is helpful for them because then it's like, well, paying for it. On. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're you're able to because they connect you in the way that they connect you. You're able to monitor everything that they're doing from a like the the products that they're using in the cloud provider. Yeah, so so we take a security uh, read only audit role. Um, so we can't change anything. Um, at least in our traditional offering, um, we do have a another tier where we can like fix things for them uh, with running mm -hmm. functions in their environment. But um, I think definitely in the enterprise, it's not very well, well used as much more for their SME customers that we have. Um, but the traditional role we take security audit read only. Um, so you basically see anything happening in the logs, which essentially to answer your question, yeah, we can see almost everything's happening. You can't see any of the data, right? So like underlying data we can't see, but we can see the changes, right? Which is really what I think matters in terms of the security uh, side of things. Um, and we can you also can see that they're, you can see that they're using S3, that they're using RDS, and they have 15 databases in RDS, and but you can't see what's in those databases. Exactly, right. Uh, and we do, like, I think in terms of our product, there's basically three Gartner sections there. There's CSPM, Cloud Security Posture Management, which is looking at the configuration uh, and compliance uh, of their cloud infrastructure. There's CIEM, so Cloud Identity and Entitlement Management, which is essentially looking at who's using and has access to what. Um, uh, which is also really important in terms of security, but also um, like least privilege and uh, sort of usage things because, if, again, no one's touching this stuff and like, why, are we, why do we have it? Um, and then there's threat detection, which is kind of like live monitoring of what specific events in the, the environment itself 
uh, and then correlating with those others to to um, you know provide additional context, right? Because so, you can, okay, if there's a configuration issue and uh, Prasanna has like a ton of access and someone's like trying to break into Prasanna's account or Prasanna's logging in from, you know, I don't know, Philippines for some reason. Place he shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, um, you know, like that, that's a much more serious issue than if there's just a, a misconfiguration um, uh, uh, there as well. Right. So you can kind of like correlate those three things together because we can see quite a lot of data. And again, that's across clouds. So that's like, okay, if you have all five of those clouds that I mentioned, we can correlate across all those clouds to kind of give you a purview of, okay, someone's found your IP addresses in your five different clouds and are heavily targeting you because they're trying across clouds. Like that's a little bit scary. We should, we should react a lot more seriously than, um, you know, just act passive scanning type stuff, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, cool stuff. Always room for improvement there. I think a lot of the areas, which I think you guys had asked this question a little bit, is, is around correlation. So how can we provide additional context to kind of reduce noise and provide uh, clear value in terms of the alerts and um, findings and issues that, that, that we're sort of filtering out for these companies? Um, so yeah, like that's, that's one area where we're really focused is, is basically re- reducing the, the amount of alerts these companies are getting by, by 10 times. I think this is of course within our own product, but also helping them provide context to other products. So there's some integration uh, layer there, um, to help them kind of understand from, from, uh, the other products that, you know, may touch their cloud or, or maybe don't, um, how they can get insights to sort of increase effectiveness from their security teams or, or engineering teams or who, who are monitoring the platform. So let's, let's, uh, I don't know, a while ago, it seemed like two hours ago. I don't know. This, this is a great conversation, but I, I, there were two questions that I asked or that I said I was going to ask. The second one is about, you know, what, what do you think like the, the top five, if you will, like things that people, and we'll just leave off open S3 buckets. God forbid, yeah, please yeah. tell me people aren't doing that. Yeah. Um, I know it, it's become harder to do that now, right? Because it used to be that was the default. Uh, at least in Amazon, uh, it used to be that op- that an open S3 bucket was a default and you had to add the access management. But now it's like you 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 have to like go out of the way to do that. But anyway, so what what do you think are like the top five things that people do wrong when they're con- from a security perspective, people do wrong when they're configuring using the cloud? Yeah, I, I think I mean, this is a. Uh, interesting sort of uh, thought here, but my biggest thing is like training, right? Like I think a lot of companies like jump into the cloud without training their traditional teams, especially if you're making the move. I mean, if you started as a cloud company, it's a bit different, but still like training, I think is a really important part because I mean, all these cloud service providers are doing great things, but it's confusing. Like there's a lot of stuff going on in there and like you often can't see it until it's, you know, an issue. Um, and that's challenging, right? So, so making sure you have like some training for your team and whether that's like, you know, only creating, creating, uh, new objects in certain like landing zones and, and things like that, like whatever your company's policy is around how you're going to run your cloud infrastructure, having some training around that for new employees. And then if the, they're new to cloud, like, you know, spending time with them to, to really, uh, you know, go through the, the different cloud service providers training programs. Most of them have, uh, free ones, uh, that can help you. Um, but yeah, training and policies, I think, is, is one of the key things um, uh, that I don't see a lot of companies do, but I think is, is really important just so you have like some level of standard um, uh, that, that can really help, I think, solve a lot of problems just from the initial stages. I mean, like all of us have information security policies for our, our companies, but the same thing should be the place for like your engineering team when creating like new cloud resources and making changes in general, right? Like I think that's that's a key thing for me that like 
I don't see a lot of companies do, especially in the startup space, but I think solves a lot of problems. Um, the other thing, of course, is misconfiguration. I think number one it helps with number two. Um, uh, and then if you have a tool like like Harangi to help you do that, I think that's also key um, uh, because at scale, like very hard problem to solve with just a policy because you need to be able to enforce it in some way. Number three is like access issues. So uh, Persona has uh, like a <laughs> uh, root, um, but why does he have root? <laughs> and especially if he doesn't access a lot of these things. So like, you know, least privilege and enforcing that um, with the IAM function of your your CSP is, is, is quite an uh, uh, important piece. And, you know, I mean, uh, so many of the breaches are, are, are because of like over permissive sort of uh, accounts, right? If they had been permissed correctly, a lot of these things uh, wouldn't happen. Um, and yeah, like if people have like uh, uh, the capability to do stuff with people's accounts, like it, it can get very nasty because you can start locking people out and stuff. Um, APIs, uh, I think like, uh, you know, making sure your APIs uh, are secure um, uh, because, you know, that's like kind of a key entry point for, for data and as well as like individuals accessing your cloud or your, mm-hmm. your service. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, uh, this, you know, maybe I could switch these, but, um, uh, visibility. So knowing what's in your cloud, right? Like, I mean, in traditional IT world and, uh, that I grew up in, like, you know, you gotta know the battlefield before you can kind of fight on it. Right. So a lot of the problems, uh, that I think have been solved in the last five, 10 years have been around visibility. So just knowing, like what's on your network um, uh, and what type of sort of uh, uh, services or software is on your network because pretty hard to defend something if you don't, don't know uh, where it begins or where it ends, right? And I think the same yeah, problem is in cloud. I, I would, I would, I would, that, that last one I think is due to the whole shadow IT problem. I think that last one is possibly one of the hardest of the ones that, you know, as you were listing, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. And then we get to the visibility part because of the shadow IT problem. um, You know, I think a lot of companies, in fact, I know a lot of companies have a lot of stuff up in the cloud that they, that at least official IT people don't know that they have. But I think for some of that, that's where you could sort of going back to the first and the second point, right? Policies as well as training, right, can help at least, right, where, hey, you can't spin it up unless you go through XYZ process or things get locked down until you do it. So, or now that at least on AWS, right, you have an organization. So now you can have multiple accounts all sort of feed in. So people at least somewhere might have visibility into what's going on rather than these pockets of accounts being created that no one knows about. But it's not a catch-all, though. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, the if if one and two are are in place, right? Especially two, right? Where you know the policy is you don't create <laughs> a, a cloud resource with company data ever without approval from X Y Z, right? But I I would also put that you have to make that approval agile enough that it's not impacting people's ability to do their job, right? We talk a lot, uh, Paul, we talk a lot about least privilege on here. Uh, You know, it goes in the backup space as well, by the way, because, you know, as I'm sure you know, with ransomware attacks and now that they're directly attacking the backup system, it's a real concern that many people, when they administer their backup system, it's the same thing as what's going on in the cloud where, you have one person administering the backup system and they're God within the backup world. And they have all of the power to do all of the things. 
and uh, that account is easily attacked, uh, targeted, you know, targeted and then compromised. And then next thing you know, somebody's deleting all the backups. And then you go to the part of, uh, of monitoring. Nobody's monitoring that the backups are being deleted. <laughs> so, it's so it's just it's just uh it's a uh, it's a uh, I don't know what what's beyond wild, the wild west. It's a, it's a hat trick. It's a hat trick, <laughs> right? They they get in, they compromise, they do the thing, and nobody knows that they did the thing. And so it sounds like that that problem is just is prevalent in in your world as well. Sounds like. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I mean, the, there's advantages of cloud because like programmatically, you can kind of find some of these things out in terms of like where, um, you know, your data is, where resources are, and you can do those checks like automated, like like with a product uh, like ours. Um, there's also ways to write your own scripts to do this, um, whether you invest in engineering time to do that or purchase a product. Of course, I have my opinion on what's the better out there, but but different companies do that different way. Um, Pretty sure our opinions would be the same, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always, yeah, it's a, Sometimes conversations like uh, with potential customers, like, oh, we can build that. I'm like, yeah, you can. But wouldn't you rather be spending that R&D time on something that's, you know, bumping your top Revenue line? generating? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like anyone can build any software product. I don't see you like trying to rebuild Zoom um, because you can. Uh, you should do it because like it makes sense for your business. Um but yeah, like uh, I digress. I think, um, yeah, like, I mean, you're right, right? Like, I mean, some things are easier in the cloud because you can programmatically do things. You have like centralized logging, like all this stuff that I think helps make things easier. But it doesn't solve them for you. You still have to like, um, you know, do things to monitor them effectively. You have to understand what to monitor, what's important to your business. You know, maybe the most important thing to your business is backups because of uh, some risk. And I mean, honestly, that's probably one of the more important things for every business. But, um, you know, I think, uh, it's a it's a uh, important part to understand your business, understand what an attacker might think um, uh, is important to your business from monetary value or maybe just destruction, uh, and then protect those things, right? Um, and uh, you know, part of it is knowing what you have, knowing what's important, um, and uh, being able to check those things often is is key. Well, I love the SaaS aspect of the company. Obviously, you know, I work for a SaaS company, so I'm I'm biased, but. Um, I, I love that aspect. I love, and I'm guessing, you know, you mentioned you're, that you're totally serverless. So in terms of signing up for your services, it's just a matter of, you know, doing some, some paperwork and then giving your service the proper authentication. And then I guess you just do auto discovery from that point on what we're doing, what we're not doing, how we're configured, all of the, you know, the five things that you talked about, you go and just automatically discover stuff. I don't have to do a lot of configuration to, I'm, I'm guessing this is how your product works. Would that be about right? Yeah, it takes about five minutes to install. I mean, we have a free trial, so people can just uh, register on the, the website, but um, yeah, it takes five minutes. You just have to create the security audit role, uh, then uh, give us the access and it runs and uh, gives you the results depending on the size of your cloud infrastructure. It could be like minutes, could be like 20 minutes if you're really, really big. Um, uh, and then, yeah, it gives you the results for all three of those uh, sort of platforms uh, that I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, and then you can view it and, and analyze it and uh, start to uh, iterate against it uh, to solve those problems. Isn't SaaS beautiful? Yes, it is. <laughs> and the, the CSPs really help because we have like a standard focus that we're targeting, right? So like standard set of APIs that we can just access, right? I don't think this is possible in the traditional IT world because like, you know, those scary environments you go into and you're like, what is this? Like CentOS yeah. 3.1 or something. You're like, 
I've never seen this yeah. in my lifetime, but at least, yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> you talked about remediation earlier. Could you talk a little bit more about, like, what do you help, like, say, for instance, say, discover misconfiguration, or your product discovers misconfiguration. How do you go about sort of helping the user identify, like, exactly what needs to be done in those cases? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so um, essentially, um, uh, we do a couple things. So there's auto remediation, which we have, um, but of course that is not a read-only role. Uh, so that only makes sense for for some companies. Uh, but the the SME type uh, and mid-market companies that that um, you know, makes a big portion of our customer base like like love that right because they can just click a button and solve the issue. Um, uh, it's not all issues because of course. Some changes like that, you can really break things, um, but issues where there's less chance of that, you can do that. Um, uh, then there's like uh, step-by-step instructions, right? So um, basically uh, detailed instructions, uh, walking them through the, the GUI uh, on how to fix it. Uh, there's scripts, uh, so we provide scripts for majority of the rules that they can just copy and paste and run in the, the CLI of um, whatever CSP uh, they're using to fix the issues. There's Terraform templates also. Um, uh, so a lot of companies are starting to use Terraform to, to sort of prevent some of these uh, configuration issues uh, from yeah. happening. Uh, and we give them like Terraform uh, templates that, um, you know, can be a full Terraform template to solve this problem, or maybe they're just copying and pasting pieces of Into it their existing um, uh, yeah. to do it, right? So I, I think we're just trying to enabling them in as many different ways as possible, yeah. depending on your organization's sophistication to solve the problem uh, going forward or, or solve the specific problem. Wide variety of usage on those uh, four different things, um, uh, but uh, you know we've, we try to provide as much as we can to enable them to you know eliminate the problem and, and hopefully if they're a bit more proactive eliminate it uh, going yeah. forward. Um, there's also vulnerability management on our platform, so you can mark it as like false positive, mitigated, like all these things, uh, and it requires you to like comment and tracks like who did it. So um, you know Prasanna made this this change and mm-hmm. said this is a false positive or this is mitigated by a WAF or, or whatever, um, you can put that in there and I'll track it. You can also set timings on that. So for the next three months, ignore this, change criticality levels too. We follow OWASP by default, but you know, of course every organization has their own uh, sort of mapping there, uh, depending on the sophistication level. Um, but uh, yeah, you can do all that. Yeah, that that's fascinating. I, I, I definitely see a, a real synergy or real, I don't know if synergy is the wrong word, a real kindred ship is that a word <laughs> between you know you you know what what i do and what well what my employer happens to do and what you're trying to do it, it it's a it's a really important you know a very critical function that needs to be done in companies that is often either you know understaffed misunderstood uh, not properly trained, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what it sounds like both of us are trying to do is to solve that problem for people. So in your case, you're looking for misconfiguration, you know, and, and, and all the things that you're talking about. In our, in our case, what we're saying is, look, just let us handle the backup, right? Well, just all of the things that you're worried about, you don't have to worry about anymore because we're handling the backup for you. All of the you know, the, your backups, if they're on-prem, you have to figure about, about that and you have to, you have to um, um, you worry about them being attacked, but by moving them into ours, you don't have to worry about that. And yours, it's like, I, I did have a thought or a question, and I don't, know if, I don't know if you can comment on this. So let's say 100 companies, you know, new companies come in 
and they they run your analysis to find out how well configured they are. How many out of a hundred companies come up no problems? We've never had one come up with no problem. I'll say we've had <laughs> them come up with uh, non-criticals. Um, non-criticals? So but very few. Um, I think less than uh, single-digit uh, uh, companies that have used our product and not had a critical uh, sort of finding in their infrastructure. Um, nice. Yeah. So, so, like, I mean, cloud is hard, right? Because yeah. because it's very easy to change things. Um, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, it's very easy to make a misconfiguration and unless you're, you already have something in place to like monitor this stuff. So, uh, very rarely we've had a company without even a critical, um, but never without a high, like almost a, everyone's had a high, at least a high. I could see people wanting to do that free trial and then figure out what's wrong and then they just go fix the stuff. Is that, is that a problem for you? And then they end up not buying later yeah we, we've had it happen before um but i mean as all of us know i think in security and cloud like things change every day like i get the aws <laughs> release notes every yeah. week and there's like 45 things that are in those release notes right um so it's, it's not a great strategy and uh, we tell them that but you know of course you know everyone has their own sort of budgets and security concerns and like there's different approaches to the problem my approach is is not to do it once and forget about it um, I don't think there's many things in security that you can do that with. Um, maybe MFA, you turn it on and forget, but um, <laughs> uh, except every time you have to type in your your, your authentication yeah. code. But yeah. but yeah, like I mean, cloud is one of those things where things are changing so rapidly. If you have more than one developer, um, like they're not going to remember all this stuff, right? There's just, it's just too complicated no. for them to be checking this every day. And um, yeah, I don't think it's the right strategy. But yep, some people do take that strategy of like, yeah, use the product, fix everything. Uh, as fast as they can and then uh, not buy it. But it's a little right. bit, uh, I think, short-sighted in my opinion. A but, little bit short-sighted. Yeah, yeah of but, course. Of course. Um, yeah. yeah, everyone's got their own sort of concerns and budgetary requirements as well, right? Fascinating. Well, th this is really cool. I, I didn't really know about Harangue. It's not necessarily my my discipline, but I didn't know about you. And so I'm really glad that I was, that I, you know, I got invited to go on your podcast and then I learned about your company and then we bring you on to <laughs> talk to, our folks, this is great. Thanks for thanks for coming on, Paul. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and um, great meeting you both. Um, yeah, and glad to, to glad to be on your podcast as well, and and look forward to, to sharing it with our uh, Asia sort of audience uh, as well as you know we have U.S. audience too, but definitely our, our biggest reach is out here in Asia. So I look forward to, to getting out there. Absolutely, and Persona. Apparently, I have to thank you for repairing my car. Oh, you're quite welcome, Curtis. <laughs> Anytime I can help as your YouTube car consultant, happy yeah, to do Like so. I said, my wife gives you all the credit for everything I just did for the last two days. But yeah. anyway, well, <laughs> I was yes. there virtually with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I want to thank uh, our listeners. Remember, you are why we do this. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you can restore it all. Good.